Hello and welcome to Thoughts from the Bible. I am Adam Zander and have been serving as a missionary in Romania for over a decade. Join me every week as we look at simple thoughts from the Bible to help us in our daily walk with Christ and our relationships with our fellow man. Hello again from Romania. I hope you're having a great day. We're having a nice, quiet morning here in Romania. Today, we will continue our series from the book of Isaiah. Last week, we looked at chapter one, and we looked at the heart of the Father. My goal is to find at least one practical topic or message from each chapter in the book of Isaiah. I will not be going into a deep doctrinal study of this book. That would take a very long time. Instead, this will be focused on a practical spiritual application for us now in the New Testament church. Today, we will look at a message from chapter 2 called, Come, Let Us Walk in the Light of the Lord. In the first part of chapter 2, we find the Lord encouraging Judah to come into the house of the Lord and walk in the light. It is a millennium passage and talks about the peace Israel and the world will enjoy in the future. What a blessing that will be. The second half of this chapter is very different. It tells us of the coming tribulation the Lord will bring upon man in the end days. Today, we will look primarily at the first part. So let us look at, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 are our verses for today. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord." Now, the United Nations in New York City, which I have seen that building when I live there, they have verse 4 written on their building there. It says, Nations shall not lift up sword against sword, neither shall they learn war anymore. Unfortunately, the United Nations has not been able to do that. They have not been able to bring peace to this world. That will only come when Jesus Christ comes here on earth and rules and reigns. And that's what this passage is talking about in the future. In verse 3 and verse 5, we read, Come ye, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is a very encouraging passage of Scripture. It is admonishing us to come into the house of the Lord, worship Him, and walk in the light of the Lord. 
Again, prophetically, it is speaking of all nations coming to worship the Lord in the millennium. However, we will apply a spiritual application for us in the New Testament church. I would like to look at this passage as a picture of a church family. The book of Hebrews has a perfect type of this mountain. It is not a mountain of fear or the wrath of God, but of hope. Let's read that in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 24. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the words should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and as so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight, that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But ye are come unto Mount Sion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 2 as a type of a New Testament church. The first thing I see are all nations shall flow into it. All nations and peoples will one day bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. They will have no choice if they want rain and food. But in our time, men and women and children have a choice, and the Lord is calling all nations and peoples to himself. All are invited to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. All are invited to worship the only true God. The local church is not just for a select group of people. It is not just for the elect or special people that God has called. No, all can be saved and all can become part of the church by putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let's read a few passages in the Bible that show us that this is available for all. Romans chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. So this is available for all nations. Romans chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but is now made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the command of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. God has made this known to all nations, and all must obey him by faith. Galatians chapter 3 verses 6 through 9. 
even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. God has called all men to repent and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just some. So also all can be saved if they call on Jesus to save them. Acts chapter 17, verse 30, the Bible tells us, And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. So the first thing I see are all nations shall flow into it. All nations and all peoples are invited to come and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. It is available for all. The second thing I see from Isaiah chapter 2 is it is a desired place. It says in verse 3 and 5, Come ye. It is a place where they wanted to go. They were encouraging one another to go up to the house of the Lord. A local church should be the kind of place where you can say, Come with me to the house of God. Come, let us worship God together. Let's read Psalms chapter 5, verse 7. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. It should also be a place to tell others how God is working in your life. Psalms chapter 66, verse 16. Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. So in Isaiah, they were encouraging one another to come, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. It is a desired place to go. We should encourage one another to come to church. It is a place of rest for the child of God. It is a place to be refreshed, a place you should desire to go as a Christian. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you, go to your local church and you can find rest for your souls. Jesus encouraged his disciples to come to a desert place, a quiet place, away from this busy world and rest. So also should the church be a place to get refreshed and revived. Mark chapter 6 verse 31, Jesus says, And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Number three today, it is a place to learn. Verse 3 in Isaiah chapter 2 tells us, And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. The local church is a place to learn about living for God, how to live a godly life, and to learn correct doctrine. Jesus commanded his disciples to go and teach all nations, not just preach the gospel, but teach them the ways of the Lord. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, here's what Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. 
Acts chapter 5, verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I have had some Christians tell me that they do not need anyone to teach them about spiritual things since they have the Holy Spirit living in them. While it is true Jesus said the Comforter or Holy Ghost would be given to teach us, there are also many verses in the Bible that tell us there are men and women whom God has given the gift of teaching. It is proud to say, oh, I don't need anyone to teach me the Bible. All of us need a teacher. All of us can learn from one another. So God teaches us through reading his word, the Bible. He teaches us through the Holy Spirit. And also he teaches us through teachers in the local church. Let's read a few verses that show this. Acts chapter 5 verse 42. And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So the apostles and the disciples went house to house teaching people. And now let's see what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So Paul taught Timothy, and Timothy was to teach faithful men, and then they were to go and teach others. So we should have a teachable spirit, and the church is a place of learning. It is a place to learn good doctrine. We see this again in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere and in every church. And then, of course, the Lord also teaches us his ways. Psalms chapter 25, verse 4 and 5. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day long. So the church is a place for teaching. Number four today, it, the church, is a place of judgment. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. Let's read that again. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. The church is not just for encouragement and teaching. It is also for judgment. Many believers want a pastor and church that will not rebuke them. They want a church where sin of any kind is okay. Such a church is not obeying the Bible. No one likes to be judged. No one likes to be reproved. But the Bible does judge us. It does reprove us. The Father cares for His children. We looked at that last time. And He will chasten them. If He did not, then He would not love them. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. 
For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? One day all Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, not to determine if they go to heaven or hell, but what they did as a Christian. It is to see if they produced any fruit. Why not judge yourself now? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 9 and 10. Wherefore we labor that, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So all Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to see if they produced any fruit. The church should also be a place where children of God can resolve problems. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 through 6. Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, no, not one, that shall be able to judge between his brethren? But brother go to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. So the church is a place of judgment. It's a place of reproof and chastisement. It should help us to become more like Jesus Christ. Number five today, it is a place of peace. Notice the last part of Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. There is no war in the church. At least that is how it's supposed to be. Conflict, strife, division, it has no place in the local church. We were once at war with one another, the Jews with the Gentiles, the rich with the poor, the uneducated with the educated. They had little in common. But now in Christ Jesus, we have peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 12 through 17 make that very, very clear. Let's read that. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 12 through 17. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them that were nigh. We are to be at peace among ourselves. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. 
And then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 tells us, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The church at Corinth had much strife. There was very little peace. This is not how a church should be. We are called to be at peace and to have no confusion and strife in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. So the church is a place of peace. Number six today, the church is a place of work. Notice in Isaiah chapter two, it tells us, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The sword is turned into a plow, the spear into a pruning hook. So war and strife is turned into peace, and then peace is turned into labor. Once we have peace in the church and peace in our hearts, then we can get to work. We can then go out and tell the world how great a Savior we have. But if there is no peace but war in the church, then no worthwhile labor will be accomplished for Christ. This is a good picture of what a church family should look like, peace and working righteousness. Isaiah chapter 32, verses 17 and 18. Let's read those verses. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation, and in sure dwellings, and in quiet resting places." The effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21, Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, Amen. The church should be a place of peace and also a place of work. Number seven and last today, it is a place of light. Isaiah chapter two, verse five tells us, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. There is no darkness in the church. We are the children of the light, not of darkness. We should not have any part of the darkness of this world. A Christian should have no part with the sins and fleshly pleasures of this world. Let's see what Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 46. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Acts chapter 26, verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And then Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep 
For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in riding and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We are not to have fellowship with darkness. A Christian should not be going to bars and nightclubs. That is darkness. Even the world knows that. A child of God has little in common with this world. Your friends should be other Christians. Of course, this does not mean we are not to be friendly or meet with unsaved people, but our close friends need to be other children of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? So last today, the church is a place of light. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5 says, And let us walk in the light of the Lord. In conclusion for today, God wants us to walk in the light as He is in the light. The local church is a place for all to be saved and walk for God. It is a desired place where a Christian should want to spend time at. It is a place to learn how to live for God. It is a place for reproof and correction. It is a place of peace and work and it is a place of light. I hope this lesson on Isaiah chapter 2 was a help and a blessing. Next time, Lord willing, we will look at another message from the book of Isaiah. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a blessed day.